1: of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical.
2: This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie.
1: And I'm Arden Walantowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and
2: political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about the American Red Cross. So grab your first aid. And let's get civical. Uh, hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart, and I am Arden Walentowski. And it is hot, hot, hot.
1: It is so hot. I'm hot. It's. Hot. it's I'm hot. I, we're back to that part of the, the part of the year where we um, sweat throughout the entire episode mm-hmm. because we cannot turn on the air conditioners because it yes. creates noise. And so it's we so noisy. And
2: so yeah, I try to like sweat. cool off my mm-hmm. the room before, mm-hmm. and then have to mm-hmm. turn it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a brutal. It's br- I mean, it's actually what's sad is that it's not even like brutal heat yet. No, it's like in the mid eighties. Although I think it got, I think it maybe got into ninety yesterday. But yeah, it is. Yep. We're sweating again. We're sweating again. It's that point yum, too yum. where
1: the other day I took a shower and I was like. Okay, I got to dry my hair real quick. And I was like, absolutely not. It is 87 degrees outside. The yeah. minute you not walk out. the sun? Out, it will be dry. It and will be ain't dry. ain't nobody looking at your volume.
2: Mm-mm, honey, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Because everybody yeah. else
1: is sweating their asses
2: off, too. Yeah, it's that time when you go into the park and you smell B.O. and sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> A really dynamic combination of sunscreen. Touché. Yes.
1: And just, you know, a little bit of urine sprinkled throughout.
2: Yeah. Because everybody's yeah. just slightly peeing themselves. Look, the summer, the summer in the heat and the summertime makes people wild. Wild. You get the, like, especially right at the season change because everybody's just been so desperate for this moment and we're in it right now where it's finally turning from spring to summer. Yeah. And everybody loses their mind. Everybody starts mm-hmm. acting out. Everybody starts lashing out. It's like... You walk down the street and I'm like, have we all forgotten how to collectively act as a society? It's true. true. Oh, my God. (laughs) You'll see the strangest things. If you want to see the strangest things in New York, come here at the end of May, beginning of June (laughs) and watch. (laughs) You will see the wildest shit. (laughs) The wildest things. The wildest things. I saw a gentleman riding his bicycle um, balancing a New York City sidewalk trash can on his head. With no hands.
0: What? On his bicycle. Mm-hmm.
2: How? That is so heavy. It was very, and it was a full trash can. <gasps> it was very impressive. I was. Holy shit. And he was doing it for like 10 minutes, just like kind of like going back and forth in the middle of the street, I should say. What? So cars are also having to like go around Oh my him. God. And then God forbid yeah. he drop it and drop it onto oh, somebody's I car. I know. Oh my god. I mean there was there was definitely risk. There was definitely risk. But yeah, people people get wild. Y'all, this city and... crazy. Come here and you'll see some shit. I
1: feel like this is kind of what it must have been like in like the seventies, eighties when shit was popping sure. off. Sure. You know. Everybody's
2: like, let's just take off our clothes. Let's, let's just take off our clothes, clothes and love each other. Let's just
1: take off our clothes. Everybody we're doing the drugs. I mean, like you know, not not judging people, but you know, it's Wish people well. Wish, Wish everybody well. God, God bless everybody and well.
2: Godspeed.
1: God bless and Godspeed. But New York City is feeling a little bonkers right now, and I'm kind of doing yeah. it.
2: Yeah. We love it. We love it. And so, uh, unrelated to everything we've talked about entirely, is an episode that I'm actually really excited about. Yeah. We, I mean, we. I know we've talked peripherally about... The American Red Cross before, but this is everything to do with the American Red Cross, where she came from, what mm-hmm. she is, where she's going, uh, because it was established in May mm-hmm. of 18. That's so, exactly right. That's exactly right. That's what it says in the mm-hmm. history books. Mm-hmm. And so, what better? Uh, what better? You know time to do an episode on it than the anniversary of it being founded. So that's what we're going to do today. So before we jump in, do you want to go over today's sources?
1: Sure. There's two sources. I bet you can guess what they are.
2: I, uh, You know what? I, I would unless, I, but I'm looking straight at the, the that's notes so true. that have them on there. That's so true. <laughs> so, it's, not, yeah, it's not
1: fair for you to guess because you have the answer. The Red Cross, and History.com. Who else could we go to? Who else? Whom else? Whom. whom?
2: Whom. For whom the bell tolls could For we go whom to? whom the bell tolls? Whom For else could give us Correct. such good details? Correct. So let's start off with not only her origins, but her international origins, because it is global it is not just like a u.s thing so the red cross is an international humanitarian network founded in 1863 in switzerland with chapters worldwide that provide assistance to victims of disasters armed conflict and health crises hello switzerland hello switzerland of course they're the ones that like let's give aid let's give aid
1: Let's not take a stand, that? we'll give all of the aid.
2: I, this is that? how, like,
1: kind of American-centric my thinking is sometimes, Or although maybe this is not my fault. But I was like, I knew that there were international arms. I didn't realize that basically we, not that we took the idea because it was a good idea and should be expanded, but I always mm-hmm. think of it as, like, the American Red Cross and then other people, like, glommed on to us. No, no. Sure.
2: No, no. It's the other no, way no. around. <laughs> right. We are, we are but a simple franchise. We are a simple if franchise. If you really think about it. <laughs> oh my God. We are the Wendy's to your McDonald's. Absolutely. The Red Cross's roots date to 1859 when businessman Henry Dunant witnessed the bloody aftermath of the Battle of, ooh, Solferino. Do we think? Solferino? I think, yeah, Solferino. In Italy, in which there was little medical support for injured soldiers. I like how there was a time when we just killed people or we shot them and we left them. Like, as a collective Mm -hmm. global society, it was like, nobody thought, like, should we have medics? (laughs) Because it was just like, oh, if you're probably going to die. Like, that's, like, right, that's right, right. how little faith we had. We
1: have no way to really help you. Yeah. Uh, you seem to be bleeding profusely. We don't really know Ugh. what to do about that. And we could cut it off. So sorry. We, we cut, cut it off. off. We cut off tough. the arm. Tough, tough. But we don't really have the mm, medical supplies to do that. Yeah, it took us yeah. a while to catch on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I guess we didn't really have the medicine. We didn't. We didn't. But I think we could have
2: tried.
1: We could have tried something aside from leaving people on the battlefield.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, an effort. An effort. Any effort. (laughs) Just a little effort. That's all. A little bit. Do not went on to advocate for the establishment of national relief organizations made up of trained volunteers who could offer assistance to war-wounded soldiers regardless of which side of the fighting they were on. The fighting at the Battle of Solferino left some 40,000 troops dead, wounded or missing, and both the armies as well as the residents of the region were ill-equipped to deal with the situation. I mean, sure, that's a lot. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of bodies. It's a not lot of bodies right. in all various like stages of Yeah. injured to death.
1: Yeah. And not I'm going to guess a lot of medical physicians or even people to be like, would you like some
2: water? Sure. No, it's like the county doctor. Right. <laughs> who's like bleeding people. And I, and you go here and you're like, well you're already bleeding. Right. I'm out of um, options. I'm out of options. That was my way. One... I was going to bleed you, but now yeah. I see you're there already. Right. Shoot. Right.
1: Shoot. 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 So, Shoot Beat me
2: to the punch. <laughs> Rats. By 1862, Dunant published a book called A Memory of Solferino. And then the following year, he was a part of a Swiss-based committee that put together a plan for the National Relief Association. So we're gearing up to the formation of the Red Cross, which, as I said at the top, is formed in Switzerland in 1863. Yeah.
1: So shout out to the Battle of Solferino. For giving us the start of the Red Cross. Yeah, truly. So while Dunant is over in Switzerland witnessing these witnessing the Battle of Soferino, having opinions about it, wanting to help, organizing people so that countries can get on board with helping people not to die sure. sometimes of wounds from sure. battle, novel yeah. idea, Clara Barton is over in the U.S. and she's doing something kind of similar in the Civil War. So, after the Civil War broke out in 1861, Clara Barton, who was a former teacher, then working in the U.S. Patent Office in Washington, D.C., voluntarily began delivering food and supplies to Union soldiers on the front lines.
2: Hell yeah. Yep. She's like, you know what? I'm done with these patents. Yeah. We gotta gotta get focused here. Like, of course. Like, this could only... The US could only get this together because of a woman being like, Wait, you guys don't have food? You don't have food? I think I see a better way. More food. Let me go get my bag. (laughs) I've got you. I've got you. you. At the end of the war,
1: Barton, who had earned the nickname Angel of the Battlefield, received permission from president Abraham Lincoln to operate the missing sol- to operate the missing soldiers office to help locate missing troops for their families and friends so she was like a so good at her job on mm. the front lines taking taking supplies to union battle field to the battlefields so for the union soldiers but she's also like got this office job experience <laughs> Or she's working in the patent office and she's having... She knows what it is to, like, track details.
2: She's a multi-hyphenate. She's a multi-hyphenate. It's honestly... What I love about this is that, like, she's the angel of the battlefield because she was bringing just, like, food and basic supplies. Like, that's how bad... Yeah. ...these male soldiers were at, like, organizing themselves for war. And it was, like, how little we thought through what the human body would actually need... Yeah. Where she's just like, here's water.
1: Yeah. And they're Drink like, oh, this. God bless.
2: Oh, God bless. You actually saved my life. Which I'm right. sure for like half of the people she dealt with was truly what they, like food and water. Yeah. You know. hmm
1: Over the course of several years, Barton and her small staff received more than 63,000 letters asking for help and were able to track down some 22,000 men. Jeez. People writing to them asking, can you please help me find my father, brother, yeah. uncle, grandfather, you know, like, I don't know, like yeah. uh, all these people. And they found what? That's like a, a third. third. They found a third of them at yeah. a time when like these records were very, I'm sure, few and far between and incomplete where well, they they're existed all handwritten. at all. Mm-hmm. And they're all handwritten. And there's it's not like information was delivered quickly amazing with the extensive records that she had compiled during the war clara barton succeeded in identifying thousands of the union dead at the andersonville prison prisoner of war camp then she was in europe in 1870 so this is after the civil war has ended and after uh dunant has seen the battle of um solferino and is like having his own thoughts about like what what we what should what could we be doing to help the soldiers and she's basically been doing the same thing mm. so she goes to Europe in 1870 when the franco-prussian war breaks out and she went behind the german lines to work for the international red cross which now has like do not has formed and has a footing and is operational so she's
2: doing she's working for the red cross it's funny the way this sentence is structured it it makes it seem like she was going to Europe for something for holiday yep. and then all of a sudden <laughs> the franco prussian war broke out and i and i imagine that to be so funny because it's just this poor woman who has spent the past like god what 8 9 years dealing yep. with a the civil war and then the aftermath of the civil war finally goes on holiday and then there's just immediately another <laughs> war she's like god Dad.
1: God, that! Dad, I just wanted to see. Oh, my God. I just, I just wanted a cocktail. <laughs> I just wanted a cocktail and a smoke. You feel me? My God, I feel you, Clara. I feel you. Honey, we feel you. In 1873, Clara Barton returned to the United States, and four years later, she organized an American branch of the International Red Cross. So she's going. She's learning. She's bringing stuff back. She's the original yeah. exchange student.
2: She is. Uh, she's. She's the original franchisee. Mm-hmm. You know, she was like, "Wait, I'm already doing something similar. Let me like get your resources and get organized and copy your structure." And mm-hmm. boom, bada bang, we have the American Red Cross.
1: Right. Because clearly, what Dunant was doing was working. And why reinvent the
2: wheel? Yeah, I mean, my God, especially it's like she's already been through so much, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, like we don't need to deal with the headaches of like, oh, how do we structure this? There's already uh, a model that exists. Yep. And one that is good. Yeah, one that was good and functional and and did good work. Yeah. So now we are in America with the Red Cross. Clara Barton and a circle of her acquaintances founded the American Red Cross in Washington, D.C. on May 21st, 1881. Oh, that was literally two days ago. We love to see it. We love to see it. After she returned home from Europe, she campaigned for an American Red Cross and for the ratification of the Geneva Convention protecting the war injured which the United States ratified in 1882. So not only is she like bringing the American red cross here, she's also like, okay, this Geneva Convention mm-hmm. super important. Being a little diplomat, which we mm-hmm. love to see. So let's do this because we've got to protect those who are truly injured during war, which again, something that we just as a global society never thought of until thought the of. late 1800s. My <laughs> god. Barton led the Red Cross for 23 years, during which time they conducted the first domestic and overseas disaster relief efforts, aided the United States military during the Spanish-American War, and campaigned successfully for the inclusion of peacetime relief work as part of the Global Red Cross Network, the so-called, quote, American Amendment, end quote, that initially met with some resistance in Europe. So she's like, I have all these big ideas. We mm-hmm. should do this. We should do that. We should have relief during peacetime. We should have ba ba da ba And the Europeans are like, oh, hold on. <laughs> They're like,
1: hold on. Wait, we're, we were with oh. you helping the dying men on the battlefields. Yeah. Preventing now we stuff in peacetime? No, 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 no. We don't want to prevent oh. war by helping people during peacetime,
2: giving them work to do, and providing for people in need. No, 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 no. Correct. The Red Cross received their first Congressional Charter in 1900 and second in 1905, the year after Barton resigned from the organization. The most recent version of the charter, which was adopted in May of 2007, restates the traditional purpose of the organization, which includes giving relief to and serving as a medium of communication between members of the American Armed Forces and their families and providing national and international disaster relief and mitigation. The American Red Cross has a lot of run-on sentences, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Not an easy read, but I not get what they're saying. <laughs> very, it's a very pretty PDF, but not easy. It is. Well, for sure it is. Yeah. But the purpose being that the Red Cross is where you go to if you are in need of something as a soldier mm-hmm. or a family of a soldier mm-hmm. they can play diplomatic roles should there need to be you know pretty much yep. anytime like disaster strikes in any way shape or form the american red cross is like i'll be right there i'll be right there in fact we're already right there. there turn around Ooh, we're here yeah we're gonna take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors
1: Prior to the First World War, the Red Cross introduced its first aid, water safety, and public health nursing programs. Yes, water safety. Let's not I die mean, from dysentery.
2: Oh my God. Stop killing. Oh my God. We just, so many
1: people died. So many from people died water. because the water was not clean.
2: And people are still dying because the
1: water mm, isn't clean. How funny looking. is that? Or people don't think that the Clean Water Act is a necessary thing. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, it's,
2: it's literally, it makes I'm my head hurt. Sorry. We have to have clean water or it will kill us. It will kill us. We'll, or we'll all be drunk because we'll
1: all be drinking beer.
2: Any of these scenarios are not great.
1: <laughs> no. With the outbreak of World War I, the organization experienced phenomenal growth. The number The number of local chapters jumped from 107 in 1914 to 3,864 in 1918, just four years later. And membership grew from 17,000 to over 20 million adult and 11 million junior Red Cross members.
2: Like, hello. A world war will do
1: that. <laughs> a world war
2: will do that. I mean, you had to. Like, right. This was like so. People are like, you're willing to help? Great. I'm in. Yeah. It's like, what if you weren't serving in the war, working in a factory, or like a nurse? What were you doing during World War I? There were so Mm -hmm. few roles to be doing during that time.
1: The public contributed $400 million in funds and materials to support Red Cross programs, including those for American and allied forces and civilian refugees. The Red Cross staffed hospitals and ambulance companies and recruited 20,000 registered nurses to serve in the military, additional Red Cross nurses came forward to combat the worldwide influenza epidemic of 1918. Hello.
2: Hello. Spanish flu. Hello, epidemic. Hello, epidemic. We know Uh you. I raise you a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs)
1: After the First World War, the Red Cross focused on service to veterans and enhanced their programs in safety training, accident prevention, Home care for the sick and nutrition education.
0: Yes, I love
1: this. I love this that in in times of not war, they're not like, We're not working, everything is fine. There's nothing for us to do. They're like They're like, let's talk about your diet. They're still in need of many things. Yes. They just don't need to have their arms thrown up right now. But maybe they would like to have an apple. Correct. (laughs) Heard of kale? Superfood. Superfood. They also provided relief for victims of such major disasters as the Mississippi River floods in 1927. We should do an episode on that.
2: Hell yeah. Hell
1: yeah. I mean, I don't love a river flood. I come from the Great Mississippi River, so. Mm -hmm. And also the severe drought and depression of the 1930s. Yes. The Second World War called upon the Red Cross to provide extensive services once again to the U.S. military, its allies, and civilian war victims. They enrolled more than 104,000 nurses for military service, prepared 27 million packages for American and allied prisoners of war, and shipped over 300,000 tons of supplies overseas. At the military's request, the Red Cross also initiated a national blood program that collected 13.3 million pints of blood for use by the armed forces. I love this. I love that the military was like, yes, water, food, blankets, Happy things. We need blood. Somebody ask, send us blood.
2: Ask the Americans for their blood. Please, we gotta get the blood over here. Mm-hmm. I just love they're at the point where we can like give blood. Yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. where it's finally like, maybe we don't have to cut off all the limb all of the time. I mean, we're still cutting off limbs, but like we have other options. Mm-hmm. We now have like some sterilization going on. Oh. There's like some type of Medication, but it's still mostly whiskey. You know, it's just—it's nice to see. It's nice to see progress. It's nice what, to come see progress. We from having zero medical, just like the single country doctor yes. on the battlefield, being like, "Oh my god!" Uh-huh. And now we're we're giving blood transfusions. Huge. That's great. Dangerous, I'm but a- huge. But huge. I, and I love that the
1: I love these people who like donated their blood. And could you imagine somebody in what year is this? like the
2: the 1940s
1: 1940s somebody in the 1940s like coming to you also as somebody in the 1940s and saying we need your blood yes it's like i beg your pardon (laughs) pardon. how would you like to take my blood
2: i know but i bet you i bet you there's some great propaganda surrounding like do your part Mm -hmm. give your blood our boys back home need it now you know like <laughs> and it's a cartoon of a blood drop. oh it's very it's
1: very peppy and it probably also has pictures of like you know just battlefields and things that say like our boys left their blood on the battlefield you can leave some at our american red cross for their yeah. use you know something
2: like <laughs> grab the kids and come on down
1: come on down <laughs> You're the next contestant. Mm-hmm. After World War II, the Red Cross introduced its first nationwide civilian blood program that now supplies more than 40% of the blood and blood products in this country. U.S. dot. During the 1990s, the American Red Cross engineered a massive modernization of blood service operations in the United States to improve the safety of our blood products, and they continued to provide services to members of the armed forces and their families, including the Korean War, Vietnam War, and the Gulf Wars. The Red Cross also expanded services into such fields as civil defense, CPR and AED training, HIV and AIDS education and the provision of emotional care and support in the wake of disasters.
2: Yes. They really adapt with the times, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, uh, and I'm sure I'm, you know, since the coronavirus pandemic has happened, that there's now, like, mm. new things that they have that surround, pan- like, you know, disease epidemics and pandemics and how For we sure. respond and how they respond to those types of crises. If we... Truly haven't had anything like this happen since the Spanish flu. No. Which wasn't as bad as this. How fun. How <laughs> fun is that?
1: Lizzie, it's we're so lucky to live in the era we live. So ha, lucky. Ha, ha ha ha. Multiple recessions, terrorist attacks, check major shootings, check epidemics. Check. I love to see it. At least we don't live with our
2: parents. The gang's all here. Give us time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Give us time. It's true. Oh my god. So let's close it out by talking about the modern-day Red Cross. Since 2006, the Red Cross and FEMA have worked together helping government agencies and community organizations plan, coordinate, and provide food, shelter, and family reunification services for people affected by disasters. Today, the supporters, volunteers, and employees of the American Red Cross provide compassionate care in five critical areas. Number one, people affected by disasters in America. Number two, support for members of the military and for their families. Number three, blood collection, processing, and distribution. Number four, health and safety, education, and training. And number five, international relief and development. So, something happens overseas, the American Red Cross, like, with the ukraine crisis can go and provide Mm -hmm. support not just here but to our friends abroad
1: Uh yeah yeah they do good work they do good work
2: look i support the american red cross i think if you can donate to them or donate blood please do Mm -hmm. it's always good especially i always
1: pass out when i donate blood
2: you always pass out
1: I try to do it as often as I can. Donating blood in the city freaks me out because it's often in like a weird van. It's always on the in a side van. of the road. It's always in a van. I and like that just scares me. as, like somebody who drives and takes cars in the city that like, <laughs> God forbid, there's a needle in my arm and somebody hurt like hits the bus. Sure, 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 sure. Like that that creeps me out. So I tend to just donate blood when I go to Ohio
2: so you know i try i try try, but i do it's i i pass out how do you like have to eat a cookie or something afterwards to like get you back yeah they always they always make me um
1: so they they lean me back well first of all they'll like they'll watch me and then after a minute they'll like probably see my face turn a little bit white Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, do you need to lay down? I'll be like, yes, I need to lay yes, down. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh-huh. And then depending on how bad I look, they'll they're either be like, bring me snacks. Oh, yeah. Or they'll be like, you know, go go sit down for 15, 20 minutes, have apple juice and Nutter butters.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, And it's not even so much that like, it's, I mean, I do it to myself because it's the, it's, I lay there and I think about like, there's a needle in my arm. And if I bend it, it's going to stab me through the rest of my arm, and I'm going to bleed out
2: profusely.
1: Profus- I mean, yes, I would
2: call this a self-inflicted uh, fainting session. <laughs> oh, it totally is. I totally freak myself out,
1: and they're always like, "Don't look at it." I'm like, I can't not look at it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> See, <laughs> so I don't. Weird. I don't pass out. I do get woozy, but a, a lot of the issue for me as well is um, my veins are very difficult to find oh uh especially like they always you know and like the usual like this place like at the you know base of your forearm and your bicep which is where you normally that's like the first place you go to to get blood drawn and it's just like every every now and then i get a true ally this like like a veteran nurse who's been doing this for 40 years who like gets it in one but most yes. of the time it is like four to five tries and we'll switch <sighs> arms sometimes. So it's like that part of it is Ooh. what is more traumatic. Because once we get going, I can like just close my eyes and like, I don't like it. And it right, does make right, me right. a little bit woozy, but like I can at least like, I, I it's not going to make me faint by that point, but like, it's just the, it's the searching, the searching for the veins where I'm oh like, my God. oh my God,
1: I don't. Good for you. I don't know. I mean, I have very excellent veins. They're both very obvious. Okay, brag. <laughs> I know. The, my left arm is better, but my, um, my mom's, one of my, mom, my mom's best friends is a phlebotomist. And she one time looked at my arms and she was like, oh, yeah, you got good veins. But the, I mean, the yeah. one is like right there at the surface. And it's like, you can see the holes, like the, from where they've put, where I've been poked. Because it's, like, the vein is at the surface, and so you can see. Ugh. I mean, not, like, you know, you'd have to, like, stare at it, but, like, I can see them. No.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, I got veins like the Loch Ness Monster. Oh. oh. You know that it's there, oh. but you can't find it. <laughs> Look, we're really selling this idea of giving <laughs> blood, but I, please, but I'm please, thanking Please go, go donate
1: blood. I also, I try to donate. As, donate blood. As, I try to donate as often as I, as often as I can, because
2: I have the least common blood type okay you're uh, i yeah. am the universal receiver i am a uni- so no wait
1: are you a universal
2: like donor? i can receive most types of blood you're the universal donor uh-uh. which means your blood is good for anybody no
1: it's the other way around i'm a what do you have i'm a b that's the universal receiver i may be yeah
2: that's what i'm saying oh. i'm the universal receiver oh we have the same, blood, have the same type. blood type wait but i thought o was the best type
1: the O is the is the best universal one because donor. they're the universal donors.
2: Okay, so you're saying that you're the best one because you can receive anything. I thought what you were saying was I'm the best one because I can give anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I love is that we just found out that we have the same, the blood, same type. blood type. Are you positive or negative? Is this sensitive information? Or are people gonna like to steal this information <laughs> and kill us I be
1: like, we know their blood types now we can kidnap them. Hold on, l- let me see I if know. I have my. Because this part I can never remember. Hold on. Let me see if I have my red cross. Oh. Oh, I'm AB positive. So we're the second rarest. So you and I are AB positive. 3.9% of the U.S. population have our blood type. The rarest is AB negative, which looks to be less than 2% of the population. We can only donate to other ABs, but we can receive from everybody else. And there's something different about the way they process our blood.
2: Mm. Yeah. We're so rare. We're so rare. Shout out to all my ABs out there. Shout out to my O's. Shout out to my A's. Shout out to my B's. We're so rare and yet we found each other. Am I missing any?
1: That's (laughs) it.
2: That's it. It's good stuff, y'all. That is the end of our American Red Cross episode. And as always, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.